Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Welcome to the Peter King Podcast. I'm joining you from a gazebo of all places at a hotel in Thousand Oaks, California. I'm on the road. I'm going to see the Rams tomorrow at their training facility, Thousand Oaks, California, at Cal Lutheran. You may hear a little waterfall. I'm in a very nice hotel here in Thousand Oaks. Don't want to brag. But this is where we're recording the podcast this week. And let me just give you a little rundown in week three on the road uh, of my training camp trip. We are going to be joined shortly by San Francisco quarterback Trey Lance. Then you'll hear from New Orleans defensive end Cam Jordan, who, by the way, has a future in this business. And we are going to discuss the difference between two words that you wouldn't think we would have a discussion about forge and forage i'm sure that that's going to make everyone just like really drool at the podcast and you just can't wait to hear that and then finally i had an interesting conversation with lovey smith the new coach of the houston texans look we're not supposed to like or or you know dislike or whatever i really like lovey smith he's got a great attitude toward life I love the way he talks about coaching, his teaching. So we're going to be joined by Lovey Smith, uh, the Houston Texans coach, later on. But first, let me give you a little rundown of what we're going to go over in the podcast this week. We are going to discuss five training camps. Okay, we're going to start, obviously, with the San Francisco 49ers. I was there on Sunday. I wrote the lead to my column, uh, Football Morning in America, on the weirdness of Jimmy Garoppolo being a lone soldier at training camp, doing everything on his own, and, uh, and, and, and then also obviously talk about Trey Lance. We're also going to talk a little bit about both the Houston Texans and New Orleans Saints. I saw them in Houston over the weekend. I don't always enjoy covering preseason games really because it's just it's not a real good reflection on these two teams because they're playing a lot of guys who aren't going to play in the games but in, in real games but in this particular case it was good because I got to go over and see uh, the Texans on Friday the day before the game spent some time with Nick Casario and quarterback Davis Mills and Lovey Smith then on Saturday <clears throat> I went to the Saints Hotel in Houston a few hours before the game and uh, met up with uh, a few of their guys, Jarvis Landry, the new wide receiver, uh, Mickey Loomis, the general manager, Dennis Allen, the coach. And then afterwards, I uh, had a chance to talk to both Chris Olave and uh, Cam Jordan, which was, which was really good. So you're going to hear from some of those people. Uh, as we go forward. Uh, oh, and then finally, not our last but not least team, but uh, I spent a day with the Denver Broncos uh, and really kind of learned some interesting stuff about the relationship with Russell Wilson and new coach Paul Hackett, and we're going to dive a little bit deep into that, that relationship, what it might mean, and what it portends for that nutty Rocky Mountain fan base in Denver. So I'm going to start with some thoughts about the San Francisco 49ers. And I want to begin the podcast by painting you a picture. Okay. Last week, both in my column and then on the podcast, I talked about one of the things I really love about this trip that I'm on right now, my favorite time of the year. 
And it's, it's that I get to see things that if I were sitting in my apartment in Brooklyn just talking to people on the phone, I would not get to see. And sometimes visuals are really important. So the visual that really stuck with me was sitting in John Lynch's office, the general manager of the Niners before practice. And I said, hey, what's, what's the story with Jimmy Garoppolo? I wrote about this in my column too. But what's the story with Garoppolo? And he just points out to the back where he's got a big window on the, toward the back of the practice fields or that show the back of the practice fields. And there's a lone wolf out there, Jimmy Garoppolo, just practicing. Remember, he had shoulder surgery in the spring. He's worked his way back from that. He's throwing the ball very well. Uh, if a team needs him sometime in the next two or three weeks, I think he's going to be able to play. Now, everybody says, well, geez, who, who might trade for him? And I doubt anybody is going to trade for him unless you get a big injury or unless the Cleveland Browns find out that Deshaun Watson is gone for the year when the appeal of his sanction uh, finally is revealed, I think this week, but certainly in the coming days. Um, I think it's hard to imagine that somebody will just jump out right now and pay, uh, not only pay Garoppolo's contract, but uh, you know also pay some compensation for him. So my gut feeling, and it's only that a gut feeling, is that Sometime before Labor Day weekend, my gut says that the Niners are going to release him. Now, that could change. Quarterback gets hurt, all that, all the stuff. But I just think that that's the most logical scenario right now. So that leaves us with, uh, with Trey Lance, who you'll hear from in a moment. You know, I have written about this a couple of times during the course of this year. But I just think there's something about the quarterback position in the NFL and young players that, and again, I don't mean to bash my brethren in the media, and I don't mean to bash fans, um, but I do think that there's something that the media and fans in general, in general, get wrong about young quarterbacks. Have patience. I mean, I want you to think about this statistic and just think about what exactly it means. Trey Lance, since he graduated from college, has thrown 389 passes in football games, in real football games. Most of those, obviously, at North Dakota State. 71 last year with the 49ers when he played. But mostly, Trey Lance, for the last four seasons, has sat back and watched, you know, with the exception of one season uh, at North Dakota State. So that's why I say patience, people, patience. And before I get to my conversation with Trey Lance, I want to read you a, a quote from Kyle Shanahan. And I want to read you this quote. It's a little bit long because I think it expresses with Shanahan exactly why this is a long road for players, especially at the quarterback position, to get really good really fast, okay? And, and there's, that, there's two parts of it, but I'm just going to read this, and then I'll tell you what I, what I think it means. It's, it's Kyle Shanahan's basically – he doesn't like the fact – that there's pressure on guys to come in and play early. And if they do one thing right, if they're great, if they do one thing right, everybody said, oh, boy, he's arrived. He hasn't arrived. So this is Kyle Shanahan about correcting mistakes in young players. Quote, these guys are told after games they're successful because they want a fantasy football game for their uncle or something. If you get the numbers, you played good according to everybody. That doesn't tell you anything, nothing. I talked to them about exactly what happened on a play. We can say we had a good game because we won, but that's not really what we're focused on. We're focused on the product and how you did it, okay? It's up to me to teach these guys that the people who are deciding whether you make the team 
or people around the league who are deciding if you don't make it here, they could sign you to their active roster, how those people see how you're playing. I want them to know the actual reality. Stats don't dictate success. Doing it the right way dictates success. And I think that's one of the things that Kyle Shanahan has emphasized to Trey Lance. Listen, don't take the cheese. Don't take the bait. You've got a long way to go. And believe me, as Shanahan told me when we were finishing up our conversation, he goes, listen, I love coaching this kid. Really love it. He's a sponge. He takes what he learns and takes it right out onto the field. So I'm not trying to say that Trey Lance is fighting any of this. He's not. Trey Lance is a guy who Shanahan loves working with. I'm just simply saying to you, he's going to make two or three flash plays every game, but then he might make eight or ten that stink. So just be patient. Let him evolve. Let him learn. And anyway, that's some of the stuff I talked to him about in my conversation at Levi's Stadium on Sunday. Here I am with San Francisco quarterback Trey Lance. Peter King with NBC Sports here, Santa Clara, California, home of the 49ers. And I'm here with Trey Lance, who's kind of the man of the hour in the San Francisco Bay Area now. A lot of is expected of Trey Lance, third pick in the 21 draft. And Trey, I wonder, how do you take and how do you deal with sort of the pressure that comes with what is a very high-profile job, even though you don't have the long resume that a lot of your peers have? I think uh, for me, I mean, I I put that pressure on myself. Uh, I don't worry about, you know, respectfully what you guys say, Uh, anyone in the media or anyone outside our building. I know I've said it, you know, a million times, but uh, I really mean it when I say the only only opinions that matter are the guys in the locker room and, you know, my coaching staff. Uh, Anyone outside of that, you know, has no no impact on me at all. Uh, So, you know, I put that pressure on myself uh, to not let the guys, you know, on my team down. You're in a bit of a strange situation in that, You know, when I come here today, I'm having a conversation with John Lynch. I ask him about Jimmy Garoppolo, and he points out the window. And he said, there he is right there, and he's working out, you know, rehabbing and working out by himself. And then you guys go out to practice, and Jimmy is not there. So he's still on the roster, but he's just kind of doing his own thing. Has it felt weird to you that the guy who led this team deep into the playoffs last year is sort of the forgotten guy here? Uh, no, not for me, honestly. Uh, you know, like I've, I've said it again, uh, Jimmy's been a big brother to me. Uh, he was great to me. He could have done a lot of things to make my life harder, a lot harder than it than it could have been last year. Uh, but he taught me everything. You know, every any question I asked him, he had an answer to. Um, never held anything back from me. I mean, like I said, just a true big brother to me. So for me, uh, I'm excited to see him healthy again uh, and excited to see what he does in the future. So when you talk about Jimmy Garoppolo and he talks about you it's always very good you know he's helped you a lot I wondered when you look at him what would you say are one of the one or two of the things that you've taken away from him that he's helped you understand about being an NFL quarterback and I think, I mean, right, what you said right there, just everything about being an NFL quarterback, uh, how he handles himself on the field and off the field, uh, a true leader, a true pro um, in the locker room, you know, him watching tape, um, everything. I mean, from those standpoints, at events, uh, you know, handling people in the media, uh, I mean, everything from those standpoints. Uh, for me, it's it's a lot like when I was in college, you know, as a redshirt year last year. I got to take everything in, soak everything up, uh, and he was, you know, obviously a great person to learn from. Right now, is it something that sort of gets you excited that you were expected basically to take this team, take some lumps along the way, and it's your team right now? How does that make you feel? Super excited. Obviously, we got you know very special roster, uh, awesome group of guys on the offense, some new guys that came in that are going to be huge for us, making plays, um, and you know the talents we have on this roster, especially specifically on offense. I'm excited to man get those guys the ball uh, and see what they do with it. You formed a bit of a tighter bond this offseason with Brandon Ayuk, I understand. Tell me about your relationship with him, what you think that's going to mean for your on-field work together. 
Yeah, we got to spend a lot of time together, got to live together for a few months in the off season. Um, I mean, for us, just getting to know each other better, you know, not only on the field, but uh, I mean, Brandon had an incredible off season. I mean, the way he came to work every single day, um, not only on the field again, but taking care of his body, uh, the mental reps, everything from those standpoints. I mean, he, he wanted to separate himself, and I think he's going to do that this year. Something that not a lot of people know is last year in the final preseason game, you broke the tip of your throwing index finger, correct? Yep. Yeah. And so even though it healed and you're able to come back, you really couldn't use that index finger the way you would normally want to use it. How much of an impact on you did that have? And then how did you sort of relearn after getting some bad habits last year? What did you do this off season to sort of relearn how to throw the football correctly. Yeah, I mean, after not being able to kind of finish off that finger just because it, it couldn't straighten, you know, physically after, you know, bone heals, you get the scar tissue and everything in there. So uh, for me, you know, I think kind of my brain kind of took over a little bit. Um, I, I wasn't, it wasn't something I was going to use as an excuse, but obviously, you know, the way that the ball came out, I think was affected by my finger a little bit. Uh, but going into the off season, first thing for me was just getting healthy. Uh, so getting that finger straight. Um, and once I can straighten it, it was just kind of getting back to the basics, back to how, you know, I threw the football before uh, all of it happened. Uh, which is a little bit weird, you know, re-gripping the football and thinking about it, you know, consciously thinking about how I grip the football. Uh, but honestly, it was a lot easier and, and came a lot faster than I thought it would um, going back to just my grip specifically. Uh, but as, my, as, as that went on, I uh, felt great throughout the offseason and I think uh, got a lot of good work done. You went to work with uh, Tom House and his people in Southern California to talk about mechanics and to work on mechanics. What would you take away from that? A ton. I had worked with them also, you know, a little bit pre-draft um, and then also, you know, last offseason as well. Um, Adam Dato, John Beck, Taylor Kelly, uh, you know, they do a great job down there. And for me, uh, it was awesome to just be able to be around a lot of NFL quarterbacks. Get to be around, you know, Matt Ryan, Jared Goff. Um, those guys are in and out of there. Carson Wentz as well. Um, but for me, just seeing how those guys work and from a mechanic standpoint, um, obviously those guys that I work with are some of the best. Two other things about where you are right now. When I watch practice, I see somebody who is, you know, there's not a lot of wasted motion, a lot of wasted movement. It seems like you have sort of really worked on how fast you're able to get in position to throw the ball. There's just not a lot of wasted motion. Tell me mechanically how you are right now versus a year ago. I think I'm in a really good spot. Um, I think I'm honestly pretty similar to where I was a year ago as far as just throwing the ball and getting my body in position. I feel like uh, mentally I'm just everything's a lot more clear for me. I'm in a much better spot mentally. Um, so I think that probably uh, smooths a lot of things out as far as my footwork. Um, so some things that might look like, you know, mechanics, I think some of the time is a lot of just to do with, you know, understanding the offense for me and being able to play fast. What is the biggest key to you having success like when I watch you play I think one of the biggest keys is really honing in on not only your mechanics but you know where your body is in relation to when you start throwing the ball your accuracy because a lot of that it isn't just having arm strength it's getting in position to throw the ball you know perfectly like a Ryan or a Tom Brady but tell me about your view of your accuracy right now and whether you think it's going to be good enough. Yeah, I think I'm in a really good spot right now. So I'm excited. I feel confident, excited for this year. And uh, I know these guys are going to make a lot of plays around me. Last thing. So as somebody who grew up in a fairly small area of the Midwest, you went to North Dakota State. What has it been like for you to adjust to a big city, gigantic expectations, huge stadiums, all that. Is it, is it different? Are you, do you try to tune all of that out? Or what sort of factor has that been, all of that stuff been in adjusting to life in the NFL? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, just moving to California has, hasn't been as big of an adjustment as, as I thought, maybe, uh, probably because the weather's so nice every single day. Um, you don't have to worry about the snow, don't have to worry about the rain very often. Um, and as far as football, I mean, between the white lines, football is football. Uh, so for me, the whole big stadium, big crowd and everything like that, you know, I put just as much pressure on myself, you know, as I was at North Dakota State as I do right now. Kyle Shanahan told me, I like coaching Trey Lance. 
You like playing for Kyle Shanahan? <laughs> Without a doubt. No one I'd rather play for. Trey Lance, good luck this year. Hope it works out. Appreciate you. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. It's a world record again! Goal for the United States! Unbelievable! And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this. How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. Olympics this summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. My thanks to Trey Lance uh, for giving me some time. You know, as you can tell, he's kind of a buttoned up guy and I don't blame him. I don't, I don't think anything can be gained for him to come out and and make any grandiose pronouncements. So I really, I view this season, as I wrote in my column, that Kyle Shanahan does not want all the weight on this kid's shoulders. Let's see how that goes. So I want to go right now to Denver, okay? And I want to tell you one thing that really I thought was interesting about my time uh, with the Denver Broncos. So it's a huge honeymoon period. They love Russell Wilson. They've been hungry. They've been you know, meandering through the quarterback desert for six seasons. They've had 11 starters in those six years, and now they hope that they have one starter over the next six years, Russell Wilson. And for as durable as he's been, you know, he's only missed three starts in 10 years uh, when he was in Seattle. As durable as he's been, I think they got a good, a good shot at that. So, but this really interested me. I've been around a lot of quarterbacks. I've been around a lot of teams. I haven't seen many where the quarterback is as influential and as powerful as Russell Wilson is in his early days in Denver. And I'll just give you one example. So you may have read my column this week about how he holds every day before practice, one hour before practice or one hour before the training camp day begins at 8 a.m. He has all 17 wide receivers and tight ends uh, at a voluntary, you know, may not be too voluntary, but in a voluntary walkthrough period where he teaches everybody, here are the keys on this particular route. And I think Wilson and Paul Paul Hackett, Nathaniel Hackett, Paul Hackett's son, who's the coach of this team, basically they like the fact that the quarterback wants to take ownership of this, and they feel like, you know, this is a the, the the players need to take ownership in this team, and that's what this attempt by Wilson is an attempt to do. But there was one other thing that I found very interesting when I was talking to Cortland Sutton, the wide receiver for the Broncos. He made this point about how interesting it is that Russell Wilson basically not controls everything. That's wrong because he isn't the coach. He's not the offensive coordinator, quarterback, coach, passing game coordinator. He's not that. But those players who really admire Russell Wilson are now learning from him and really enjoying the whole learning process. And Cortland Sutton basically told me that this guy's amazing. He has different cadences for different plays. Now, you know what the cadence is. Omaha, Omaha, 15, blue, blue. You know, that's a quarterback's cadence. So Wilson, uh, Russell Wilson did not want to talk about that with me. So basically he has taken this before he's played his first game with this to another level, really, because these guys have never, you know, you get a cadence, you go to the line of scrimmage, you shout out your cadence, that's it. But now Russell Wilson in Denver is even throwing change-ups on his cadence. I thought that was really interesting. So we'll see what happens. I think Wilson really wanted a new start. uh, And I think that he's got a new start in a place where Nathaniel Hackett really cares about what Russell Wilson thinks. Now, let me just tell you a little bit about my experience with the New Orleans Saints. Um, You know, it's interesting. Over the years... Uh, I've had uh, a very good, except for the time during Bounty, uh, 
<laughs> their their bounty sanction. Had a very good relationship with Sean Payton. And so, you know, you go into training camp, you sit with him, hey, what's really going on? He tells you, or he's told me. And, and so, you know, no Payton. For the first time in 17 training camps, there's a new coach. It's Dennis Allen. And Allen had a great, great line to me. I, I said, how, you know, how's it going? What's, what's it like? And he goes, you know, it's like when you walk into your home for Thanksgiving dinner and it's all ready. The food is on the table. And all you have to do is carve the turkey. The turkey's cooked. All you have to do is carve it. And, and so he said, you know, it's, it's great for me because he believes, and, and I think so too, that not often does a head coach get to walk into a situation that it's a just-add-water-for-a-playoff-team, you know, situation. We're going to hear in a moment from... Uh, from Cam Jordan, and we talked a little bit about that. But I want to tell you a little bit about my conversation with Chris Olave. Many of you know, many of you are big college fans. You loved Chris Olave coming into this draft. The Saints did too. In fact, they traded up to get Olave up to number 11 in this draft, and they believe strongly that he is going to be the young missing piece to this receiver group that they've wanted. As Dennis Allen told me, he goes, this probably was the weakness of our team last year because of the Michael Thomas injury uh, and, 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 you know, that they were, they were trying to get some new guys to learn uh, the receiver group. And so he said, now it's probably the strength of our team. And just imagine this. Imagine that Michael Thomas comes back and he's – in pretty good shape and he he plays his normal uh number of downs per game and as dennis allen told me he said hey listen this week in practice he really started to look like the pre-injury michael thomas so and, and remember 149 catches in 2019 2020 2021 both racked by injuries so they think they're going to have a legitimate michael thomas and then how about Jarvis Landry in the slot coming home to Louisiana, coming home where he played high school and college football. He's an LSU guy. Uh, he is euphoric. He's so happy to be back there. And now imagine, who knows, could he be the best receiver in a really rich receiver group in this year's draft, Chris Olave? And I asked him about, I thought this was really kind of cute actually I asked him about just how much Ohio State basically uh, gets a guy ready for the National Football League and I thought it was really interesting he said look uh, and I'm paraphrasing he said you know the, at Ohio State it's like a pro program and so just think of this you know in 2020 they have three receivers who this year were picked in the top 12 of the draft. And obviously, Jamison Williams transferred uh, to Alabama. So that's where he technically was from. He had that great year last year. And so they, I think that Chris Olave comes from kind of, uh, you know, wide receiver U right now. There's so many receivers that have come out of that program and played well. So... I really am kind of looking for for good things out of the New Orleans Saints this year. Um, I think they're going to have a better year this year than they had last year, even with uh, the loss of Sean Payton. So, had a chance after the game to catch up with Cameron Jordan, uh, the defensive end, top 100 player, according to NFL Network, uh, in the NFL. And uh, he's really one of my favorite guys in the league. And I hope you can actually watch this on our NBC Sports YouTube channel where all of my podcasts are, where everything is. This is the epitome of the one-stop shop. You know, you don't even need to watch the games. Just go to NBC Sports YouTube page. It'll, 
it'll satisfy your every women desire about everything in life. Okay, enough of that. But if only to see the the mustache, the quasi Fu Manchu on 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 Cam Jordan, and then to see him at one point stroke his mustache in a very, very pensive way. So anyway, that's my lead into my conversation with Cam Jordan. Peter King with NBC Sports here at NRG Stadium in Houston after the opening preseason game of the year and with Cam Jordan of the Saints. So, Cam, this has got to be a weird year for you. This is the first year you've ever entered a season without Sean Payton, you know, as the coach. And mm -hmm. I wondered, what has the adjustment to Dennis Allen been like for you guys? I think that's a smooth transition. That's somebody that's in the building and that's somebody we trust and know has uh, the right mindset for our, our win-now mentality. I think that um, with him at helm, there's not a lot of change that is going on. You know, when we think about the schedule, sort of similar, we think about how some things have changed, but at the same thing, the root, the base, the fun fundamentals of it all is still the same. He told me really basically, why would I want to change anything? It's working. Mm -hmm. We got a good team. We have a lot of people constants here and we're a winning organization is that the way you think the players look at it coming into the first year post Sean I mean I think the players look at it as this is somebody who's been in building has had a lot of success uh, we may have missed the playoffs last year we still didn't have a losing season um, I think we have the right key pieces in terms of our defense um, and we've clearly added on a lot of power on our offensive side so I think you know when it comes down to the head coach we're going to let coaches coach and players play. We'll sort everything out, hopefully, by week one. I'm kind of fascinated by Chris Olave. He was my favorite receiver in this draft. And it's almost like with Michael Thomas coming back, you've got two number one receivers, two, like, first-round draft pick receivers. And then, oh, by the way, Jarvis Landry showed up. So what has been the difference in the receiving core versus last year? I mean, last, last year we were clearly strapped for depth. This year we are – that's probably our deepest room. You think about if potential starters in Michael Thomas, Chris Olave, uh, Jarvis, Juice, Landry. Um, you, you then have, you know, Marquez, who made a major jump for us last year. Uh, wide receiver leader, Deontay uh, Hardy now. Um, that's, that's strong. I mean, if you talk about speed, you talk about the technique, you talk about the work ethic in that, that room, it's through the roof. So that's probably a, that's, that's the main driving force in my mind on offense side. So I'm curious. You guys, the last two regular seasons, you're 4-0 and in the regular season against the Bucks and Tom Brady. Mm -hmm. What do you think you do well, and how do you match up well against that team? Um, I think particularly it doesn't, it doesn't matter who, who's against us. Um, we've always carried it as this is a, our division mentality, we, um, and we're trying to put our best foot forward in that, in that manner. Um, we understand that you know, Tom Brady is one of the most accomplished quarterbacks to ever hit the land, and there is nothing you can do to take that away from him. Um, and he's one, clearly the greatest mind in the game currently. Um, and so it's, it's always going to be a task to try and put a cap on him, especially when you got, have guys like, what is it now, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, who, who else did they call up? I mean, they're, they're super, they were already a super team that just keeps on <laughs> picking up people. Russell Gage. Yeah. Um, you know, Julio Jones. Julio Jones. He just added a <laughs> Hall of Famer. But, you know, this, this, they, they clearly needed help because they only won a Super Bowl two years ago. Um, but, no, I mean, they, they got a, they've got a great team already. Um, but it's our mentality. It doesn't matter whether it's Carolina we see two times a year, Atlanta we see two times a year, or Tampa. If you line up across us, we're looking for a win. So I'm curious about you personally. What continues to drive you? My mustache. At age, yeah, it's a beautiful mustache. What continues to drive you at age 33? Um, the idea that, you know, I want more. I always want more. Um, I feel like last year I'm looking at the playoffs on the outside and I want more. Um, you know, I sat there and uh, announced some in-game announcements in, in the Super Bowl, and that was the first time I actually was able to stomach being in the Super Bowl and I was like, I want to be in it. Maybe the, maybe the way I've been looking at Super Bowl is all wrong. I've, I've said previously, I don't want to be close to a Super Bowl if I'm not in it. By kickoff, I'm on a plane headed home somewhere. I needed to see what I needed to see. I saw, you know, the Rams win a Super Bowl. I saw Cincinnati lose one. And I said, by all means, I want to be 
in this position to be able to try and win a Super Bowl. So whatever that takes. I don't know if it's the age, it's the mentality, it's the mindset, whatever you want to call it. The energy is, let's try and win one. Is it realistic to think of you guys as serious Super Bowl contenders? I think I think that every time I wake up. I mean, long before uh, before you know we had this phenomenal four-year stretch of going to the playoffs every year, it was this idea that you know we can win because of our offense. We can win in spite of our defense. We can win because of our defense. We're throwing all that together. We're going to win because of our offense, defense, and our special teams. I think that there's always going to be naysayers. There's always going to be negative energy. But what am I going to do? You're going to, am I going to wake up and think we're only going to be mediocre? We're striving for excellence. And I think we have excellent players to do so. you have any good predictions for me? In terms of? This year? Yeah, Saints win it all. It's not, it's not, I mean, that's not a, it's not, it's not that far-fetched. I think about what Jameis Winston brings to the table. If we have to go through quarterbacks again like we did last year, still come up with nine wins playing over four quarterbacks, I mean, we can, we can do that. We have the ability, we have the, the power, and I think, again, with our elevated play from our wide receivers, we talk about, you know, drafting – uh, offensive lineman to replace, you know, a guy like Teron Armstead, which I don't think is replaceable. Um, you know, I think that we, we have every position in the right area to be exactly who we need to be. And when season starts, that's when we start making our own predictions. Right now, we're foraging. We're foraging. You're what, foraging? F foraging, not foraging. Oh, foraging. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, we're yeah. Not, we're not looking for anything. We're yeah. foraging. Yeah. We're hot metal. We're foraging into a sharp sword. That's very good vocabulary by you. The difference between foraging and foraging. Absolutely. Proud of you. University of Cal Berkeley, you know. <laughs> Some schools can never. Cam Jordan, thanks a lot. In Houston with the Saints, I'm Peter King. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this. How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics. This summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. My thanks to Cam Jordan. He's always a fun guy to talk to. You just never know what direction the conversation's going to go into. So we're going to wrap up the podcast this week with just a few more thoughts about the teams I've seen, and then I'll tell you about the week upcoming. So Houston is not a sexy franchise right now. Everybody knows that they need to get some stuff going with their team and that this is a building year. But I got into a conversation with Davis Mills about how, in my opinion anyway, he's luckier to be the 67th pick in the draft than he is to be like the second pick in the draft. Like right now, and look, this is no reflection on Zach Wilson's talent, his ability, uh, and unfortunately, he just got a knee injury this weekend. Hopefully, he's ready to go at the start of the season on September 11. But I think it is so much better when you enter a team and you don't have the weight of the world on your shoulders as a rookie. It's a hard enough position to play quarterback in the NFL without having a bunch of pressure on you to be good right away. And that is the fortunate thing for Davis Mills. He enters his second season. Now, remember, Davis Mills, last five games of last season, the best rookie quarterback in football. Passer rating of 102. Outdueled Justin Herbert when Houston beat the Chargers. So this is a guy who's got a real chance to win the Houston starting job. He's got a good presence about him. I enjoyed talking to him. And one of the things he said to me when I talked to him about how there's just way too much pressure on rookie quarterbacks. He goes, didn't Peyton set the re interceptions record as a, uh, as a rookie? Didn't he do it? I said, yeah, he had 28. And he goes, well, there you go. And so he's got the presence. He's a very confident guy, not cocky, but confident. Uh, and that is going to be one of the most interesting people to watch in the NFL this year. Because just remember, the Houston Texans, coming up next year in the draft, as of now, have their own first-round pick, which 
the odds are probably pretty good it's a top six or eight pick in the draft. Who knows? Even though, as Davis Mills said, we are going to shock the world. Well, every underdog says that. Maybe one out of ten do it. So anyway, but we'll see. And then they also have an extra draft pick from Cleveland from the Deshaun Watson trade, an extra number one. Um, all in all, they've got five picks in the first three rounds, and to me, I think they're a really fascinating team. And one of the biggest supporters of Davis Mills. In fact, he has doggedly supported Davis Mills all through the offseason and said, I think we may have a guy here. I want to go with him this year. Uh, it's been uh, in his corner ever since having to play in practice defenses against him last year. Now my conversation with the new head coach of the Houston Texans, Lovey Smith. Peter King of NBC Sports here in Houston at Houston Texans training camp. I know it doesn't look like we're in training camp, but we are in training camp. I'm here with Lovey Smith, the coach of the Houston Texans. And Lovey, we were talking a little bit about how cool this is for you a Texas kid who once played a football game in the Astrodome to come back here and to be the head coach of a team in Houston, which, you know, when you're a kid, you look at Houston, it's like the big city. So what's it been like for you to come back to Texas and coach? It, it has been surreal. I mean, and it's Texas, you know, football place. And uh, as you mentioned, my last high school uh, game I played in the state was at the Astrodome, the all-star game there. So, you know, I walk every day and I get a chance to just walk around NRG Stadium and see the Astrodome. A lot of memories come back uh, that just brings you back to football. And being a product of Texas high school football uh, doesn't get any better than that. Hmm. So let's talk about your team. You basically – are the head coach of a team that is a growing team, a building team. I don't know many people who are going to predict great things for the Texans this year. How do you look at this season for your franchise? Well, I, we are, and I can see why people would uh, assume that, you know, we're building. I mean, we have a lot of new players on our roster, new coaching staff. A lot of things are different. But that's kind of the ideal, the perfect situation to be in for me being, you know, head coach here for the first year. Uh, we have a young quarterback. We have young players. We're kind of off the radar. But we've had a chance to work together a little bit, go through training camp. We like our potential, and we won't say much more than that. Davis Mills, your quarterback, the last five games of last season, he had a quarterback rating of over 100. He played very well in several games, including against the Chargers. And I wonder, what did you see in him in those last five games that gives you hope that he might be your guy? As you mentioned, we play some good teams with good quarterbacks, and some special quarterbacks. Um, but what I got a chance to see, uh, you know, with Davis first before he started playing, which is watch him every day in practice, see how he prepared and all those things. And when he got his opportunity, he stepped up to the plate. You know, we talk a lot around here about, you know, show up and, and show out. He got that opportunity. That's exactly what he did. He can make all of the throws. He's smart. He's bright. He's a better athlete than he's given credit for. And the team is bought into him as our leader. To me, he looks like he stepped into a great situation. Not a lot of pressure on him. 67th pick in the draft. Not a lot of people talking about him. Everybody's talking about Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson. So that might be actually good for him over the long haul where he doesn't have the weight of the world on his shoulders coming in. Yes. Um, you know, defensively, we take the ball away a few times. That's part of our DNA, giving him more opportunities. We have a running game that we're going to rely on, too. That's a quarterback's best friend. But you have to – another thing that's gone – maybe going on notice a little bit is our offensive line. Uh, veteran offensive line led, led by Larry Thompson, Titus Howard. We feel like we have him in the perfect position to be able to perform the way we know he's capable of playing. I remember once uh, watching 
you know, I've, I've seen fighters say it all the time. Muhammad Ali said it. Mike Tyson said it. A lot of people said it, you know, that we're going to shock the world. And I wonder, do you talk to your team at all about shocking the world this year with a team that nobody thinks very much of? Well, I mean, it wouldn't be the first time it's happened in history. As you look to our back in history a little bit, the team, one of the teams that played in the Super Bowl won four games the previous year. So um, a team will come from nowhere. I really believe that, that no one is talking about that will uh, be a factor at the end. And um, just like what I've seen from our football team, we're anxious to get this season started. Uh, first preseason game will tell us a little bit, but we, we cannot wait for Andy to come into town, and then we'll truly see if we're really ready to take that next step, which we think we're ready to do. Love you, Smith. Good luck with the Texans. Thanks for taking the time. Anytime. My thanks to Lovey Smith, and in fact, my thanks to the Texans for putting up with me for an hour and a half on a day when they were doing a walkthrough for their preseason game and there wasn't any regular media availability. I appreciate them uh, squeezing me into their schedule. So my thanks to the Houston Texans. Finally, I just want to talk for a couple of minutes. I know I saw Kansas City a week ago. Talked a little bit about them last week on the podcast. Um, you heard from Patrick Mahomes last week on the podcast. But I didn't talk much about this and didn't really write about it very much in my Football Morning in America column. But I think one of the things about losing a great player like Tyreek Hill is that you have to sit there and you have to ask yourself, as a coach in, in Andy Reid, as a general manager in Brett Veach, as an owner in Clark Hunt, you have to ask yourselves this question. Is this the best thing for the long-term best interests of our team? I happen to think it could hurt them this year, the short term. But I also think that they have four new receivers on this team who are going to make the team, four new wide receivers, and... You can't underestimate what Andy Reid said to me. He basically said, and I'm paraphrasing this. You can go back and read the quote. It's given us all a little bit of juice. And after 10 years, I think a little bit of juice is a good thing to have. Okay? And here's what he meant. Andy Reid now has coached this team. This is 10th year coaching in Kansas City. And when he says, hey, it's a good thing to have a little bit of juice, what he means is every year they come to training camp, you know, and it's Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, uh, Tyreek Hill. And there's other pieces of the puzzle all around. However, however, the big three have been constant for the last five years now, five seasons. So it's good to have some mystery injected in this. And I think that's one of the reasons why I don't think this is going to be a death knell for Kansas City. There's a lot of reasons. You know, the fact that the guys they got are going to be pretty good. And Sky Moore, the rookie from Western Michigan, has had a very good training camp. He can't count on rookie wide receivers, but he's going to have a role. And so, anyway... I am fascinated by Kansas City post-Tyreek, and I think the reports of their death have been greatly exaggerated. That's going to be it for this week's podcast. I want to just give you a little bit of preview of next week. So we're in California right now. In the next three days in California, we're going to take a closer look at the Los Angeles Rams, and at the Dallas Cowboys and uh, Los Angeles Chargers, who have joint practices coming up in the middle of this week prior to them meeting in the preseason this weekend. Uh, from there, uh, I'm going to take a trip back to the Midwest before I go home and before we call it a day with this trip. I'm going to go to the Detroit-Indianapolis preseason game uh, and 
see where both of those teams stand right now. And then on Sunday, I'm really looking forward to this. Uh, I'm going to go to see the Cleveland Browns play the Philadelphia Eagles in Cleveland. And many of you know who followed me. I've been very critical of the Browns for the contract they gave Deshaun Watson uh, and for a lot of other things involving this. And so I'm going to show my face and see who wants to slap me a few times. So that's part of this business. You're critical of people. You show up. So that's what I'll be doing this weekend, hopefully doing some reporting on how the Browns look as we sit here right now. We don't know yet the decision of the appeal to the uh, original decision by Sue L. Robinson. The appeal is being pondered right now by the NFL's appointed appeals officer, Peter C. Harvey, the former attorney general of the state of New Jersey. So we'll see what he says. I would assume that by the end of this week, the proverbial expedited uh, appeal is going to be, uh, we're going to know the result of it. And, you know, really, in fairness to the Browns, they really need to know where they're going to be for the year uh, very, very soon. So that's what we have coming up. Uh, Look forward to my column next Monday, Football Morning in America. And I look forward to doing another podcast from the road next uh, next week. I don't really know what's going to happen. I didn't anticipate last week I would see Jamar Chase as a lonely soldier in Cincinnati. Did not anticipate I would see Jimmy Garoppolo as a lonely soldier in Santa Clara, California. That is what I love about the road life in training camps in the NFL. Thanks so much for listening this week. I'll talk to you again next week and hopefully see you again next week on the Peter King Podcast.